Philippians 3. Do you believe you shall rise again? Huh? Do you, uh, I, the graves are full of millions and millions of Christians. Their bodies are here in the grave, but they are in the presence of God. Because in um, the scripture, absent from the body, we leave the body and we are present with the Lord. But our, our bodies are in the graves anticipating. We are in heaven anticipating. Uh, Jesus is also anticipating. That's in Hebrews chapter 10. What is Christ anticipating? Well, it's a good question, isn't it? He's anticipating something. What is he anticipating? What's that? Uh, his second coming? Did the bride? Yes. Hebrews 10, verse 13. Uh, he sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. He is anticipating total victory over evil. He is anticipating uh, the uh, coming, his coming. He is anticipating uh, the devil put in the bottomless pit um, and, and put in chains. And then the millennium, he's anticipating a better world. He's anticipating uh, victory over death completely. So when our bodies come out, Philippians 3, verse 21, this is beautiful. We will rise, we know. How will our bodies rise? Now, Psalm 139, all your members are written in a book. Maybe we should put that verse up. Uh, I've been thinking recently about how much teaching we need in our life, how much teaching we need. I, I go to bed sometimes and I think, oh, I, I don't know if the church knows that. I don't know if the church knows that. They need to be taught that. They, when did I teach that last time? Oh, no, don't worry about it, Pastor Schaller, because Pastor Love taught it. Thank you, Jesus. Don't worry about it. Pastor Hadley taught it. At the same time, I, I, I wonder how much we, how much you are learning and how much you know. This has got to be written in our heart. We should learn it. We have to learn it by listening again and again. Psalm 139, uh, we have here the verse 15, 139.15. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Where Where were we made where were we put together? Where were our parts, our bodily parts knit together? But in our mother's womb. My eye, your eyes did see my substance, verse 16. Yeah, being unperfect. When was my substance unperfect? When I was a fetus. When I was um, a very small cluster of body parts. That, but, but the Lord knew me, he saw me, and all my parts are written in a book, verse 16. 
And in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. They were maturing, growing, when, when at one time there was none of them. There was no liver, no bones, there was no nervous system, no brain, no digits. But, but they were all written in a book. My bodily parts are written in a book. What, what is the book? In our modern world, we would say it's the DNA. God has my DNA in a book. So when your body is buried and disintegrates, and all, the, all of it goes into the biosphere in time, if it was a long enough time, we all disintegrate our body, but how are we resurrected? We are resurrected, Philippians 3, verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What is he using when he changes us to have a glorious body? What material does he use when he changes us into a glorious body? He uses that body that was given to us that was written in his book. He has our DNA on file, you could say. He uses our DNA, and it's going to be you, Ed, and Dorothy, and Jimmy, and Chuck, and Nancy, and Patty. It's you, glorified. How? By his power. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. We will have a body like his resurrection body glorified. And, and how will he do it? According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He met that made the world will raise your body. And it will be joined to your spirit and your soul. And whatever body your spirit and soul has in heaven, in Second Corinthians 5, we have some kind of a body in heaven that contains our soul and our spirit. But one day, our material body will be resurrected out of the grave, and we will, we will be with Christ. We will come back with him uh, to the earth, We'll come and go, we'll have glorified bodies, and it will be like us. It will be us. I'll close with this. Did you go to school and meet, you know, have a friend who was 12 years old? When you were 12 years old, your friend was 12 years old, and you hadn't seen them for 30 years. And then you see them. Hey, you're 42. Hey, hey is that you? Yeah, hi. Hi, Bob. I, that is you. I know that is you. That's you. When Jesus was raised from the dead, did they know him right away? Apparently not. Mary didn't know. She thought he was the gardener. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't know him either. But he had a glorified body. And somehow they didn't see it. And I love that story because I don't think even now as we are living in this life that everything is so clear to us. And when we go to heaven, will I know you? I will know you. You will know me. And you go, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, I, I always knew that. 
you were like that. You had this Christ in you, this glory that is in your life. I got glimpses of it on the earth. I saw your love. I saw your patience. I heard, I heard you. I, your life stirred me up. I saw Christ in your life on the earth. But now, I see it better, of course, for we are in heaven. Amen. I was reading some jokes last night, and they, they were funny. They, some of them. You know how it's hard to find good jokes? Yeah? What? Is it? And then sometimes I read a joke, it's not funny at all. A couple of months later, I read it, it's hilarious. How do you explain that? Okay. Do you want to hear one of them? Why didn't you say that earlier? You know how people exercise? One man, he began with a five-pound potato bag in each hand, extended his arms straight out from the sides for a full minute, and then relaxed. After a few weeks, he moved to a 10-pound potato bag. Then then he did 50-pound potato bag, holding it straight out. Then he went to a 100-pound potato bag in each hand, and held his arms straight out for more than a minute. Once you feel confident at that level, put a potato in each bag. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) This one was really good. Let's see. We were tearing down an old three-seater outhouse Okay, can you, in your imagination, like we don't see those around anymore, but an odd house, three-seater. When my neighbor asked she could have the single plank, three-hole outhouse seat, I said, sure. Six months later, she invited me to her home. There she showed off her newly designed family room, complete with a single plank, three-hole picture frame featuring her three grandchildren. Not funny? I thought that was. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. All right, so Pastor Scheller, move on, okay? Come on, let's do, let's do a message. <laughs> let's do a message, okay. Return to Psalm, you're at 51. We're looking at 65, verse 4, for... Uh, a memory verse, a verse that I think you could easily uh, tuck, tuck away in your heart, 65.4. Blessed is the man whom you chooses, choose, choose is, okay? God chooses the man, then he causes to approach. I'll write down the word here, approach. He causes to approach unto thee that he may dwell in your courts, dwell in your courts. 
we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your temple. So those are four good words, aren't they? God chooses you to approach him. He chooses you to approach him. It's a great idea, great mercy of God in your life. And we think of God choosing the woman at the well. He chose her, and he brought her to God. And she was chosen to approach God, to dwell uh, in where? In his courts, to dwell in his courts and be satisfied uh, in his house and in his temple. And be satisfied. What a big word. And to be satisfied in your house. To be satisfied. So if you've been chosen, you've been chosen to approach God. Remember the story of Esther and, and Esther going before the king? And one part of her says, I don't dare go before him. I, I don't have the right to go before him. It's running a risk if he doesn't receive me. Uh, he could kill me. There's a law about it. And I, I cannot just go before him. I must be invited. But uh, her uncle said, you, you have to do this. If, if you don't, you will not survive anyway. And, and maybe God put you here for this reason. So that's a great story. Another one was Abraham. Abraham was chosen to approach God, to come before God, and to actually dwell, dwell in his courts, to live with God, to be with God. And so you are called to dwell with God and be with God. We had it the other night, Wednesday night, about uh, knowing God. It's been the last few weeks, knowing God, how beautiful, how amazing it is. So let's go now to, so um, satisfied is the fourth word in that one verse, 65.4. So that's a, something for the back of your mind as we go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Verse 4. Against thee, the only, have I sinned, done this evil in your sight, that you might be justified when you speak, be clear when you judge. Admitting Admitting my sin, admitting my my how wrong I am, admitting the the story of the woman at the well when Jesus met her and they talked. I may make a point here about talking to people. Here, here you have your circles of people in your life. Let's do a couple. You have your friends that you know. You have family. These are circles. You have career paths. 
people you work with, your career. Um, you have hobbies, perhaps you play chess. I'll put here chess. You do water sports, uh, hunting, fishing. You have people, you have your circles of, of people. But in this story, in John 4, with the woman at the well, it's like this woman is totally outside of Jesus' circle. Like, totally. She's a woman. And that in itself, the disciples were surprised. She was surprised. Why are you talking to me, a woman? She said in John 4. Let's go there and read it. Because I was kind of torn between which text to use. I used Psalm 51, but now we're going to John 4. So she said, verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Uh, so, so here is the here's our our subject for a few minutes this morning, is sharing our life with people, being a friend, talking, listening, caring, loving people. And can you love a stranger not in your circle, way way on the outside, like you just go out on on the sidewalk or somewhere, or you knock on a door? And somebody you don't know at all, and they don't know you. Can you do that? Jesus did it. Because it looks like he had, he had guidance, because he said in the beginning that he must go through Samaria. Verse 4, chapter 4. He must go through. So he was led by the Spirit to meet a woman totally outside of his circle. And that's like, that's mission. Is that God's will? Yes, it's in our lives. But I realize that it might be difficult for people. So let's go back to this other circles. Let's go back to the the closer ones. The other circles, the people that you're with every day, the people that you talk to when you take an Uber or you go shopping or you you go on walks, like my wife walks, and and um, like every time, it's mostly the same time every day, and meets basically the same people. And when you meet the same people, you talk a little bit, and you have a. They realize who you are. They get to know you a little bit, and that. And if in our hearts we care about them and their dog where they live, how, how they, if they want to talk, and you're talking with them. Uh, so then, what do we talk about? What, what, what are the things that, well, we talk about the, the football game, or we talk about uh, the Ravens. That was a good line yesterday. What about the Ravens? I was in Towson at the square, the circle. That was a great opening line at the car wash. The Raven, what about tomorrow? The Ravens, okay. So that was fun. But that's not the gospel. That's not a message much. That's just a normal interaction, communication with people. Have that. 
have normal communication. That's a great starting point in life. Do you care? Are you alone? Are you by yourself? Do you want to be alone? Do you protect yourself that you're not talking, you're not friendly, and so on? Yeah, there are Christians that are like that. But I want to provoke you in the faith and help you think that there are others that are in the world. And those others oftentimes are people with problems. And if in our circles you are planted there, that in the, in the circle of our family, the, the, the clan that you are part of, the extended family, or uh, your aunts and uncles and your cousins and so on, if we've been planted here and we've been put into this world and we have something in our hearts that we actually care about these people, because you cannot get away from the fact that people will live forever. And if they are bad when they are 10 years old, imagine how bad will they be when they're 40. And if they're bad when they're 40, imagine how bad they can be when they're 70. And how tired they can be when they're 70. And how discouraged and pessimistic and sarcastic and nasty they can be. And then imagine how bad it could be when they're a million years or whatever that way of understanding eternity. But imagine how bad people will be without God. Imagine how bad a fallen person, what it is in hell. Imagine how bad it is when we are just continuing to be who we are forever and ever and ever. And that the Lord has put us here. And I know that some may not like the word evangelism, or some may not like uh, they're afraid of meeting people, or they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to start a conversation with any depth. So let's think about it for a minute, and, and we'll just make a short list here. Um. Everyone universally has some moral sense of right and wrong. And that can be a way, a something to talk about. You're not preaching at them. You can. I mean, we, you can preach. You can do whatever is God. You're free. I'm just trying to help us think about it. Everybody knows about right and wrong. And you can talk about right and wrong in your circle. Well, you're going to ask them, you're at the chessboard playing chess, you know, what do you think about right and wrong? When something's wrong and it hurts people, what do you think about that? Why do we have that? What, what do you think? Is there God? Is there right and wrong? Did it come from God? Did God put right and wrong in our hearts? What do you think? Where did it come from? And don't we read about it all the time and see it in life and experience it? And when you get hurt, what do you do with that? When you get hurt, what do you do with that? That raises a lot of subpoints, like forgiveness. That's something people need to be talking about. Of course, you can talk about God. Um, 
in his nature. How about this one? How about, what do you think about the word forever? Time and eternity. What do you think about forever? Is there forever? You know, every fairy tale goes, and they, and once upon a time, once upon a time, everybody loves fairy tales. Once upon a time, I asked my wife the other night, who were the, the names of the seven dwarfs in Snow White? Snow White and the seven dwarfs. And she had a couple of them. And um, so I asked Siri on my phone, what are their names? Uh, everybody likes a story. Everybody loves a fairy tale. Why? Why does everybody love a fairy tale? Because at the end of the fairy tale, and they live happily ever after. Is that what you want? Do you want to live happily ever after? You haven't even talked about religion yet. But religion is everywhere. Life is like this. And so uh, I, I am bringing this up because in Psalm 51, go there with me now, and we'll just look at it. We had a couple good talks yesterday on the street. One man, kind of an intellectual kind of guy, saw, saw our group on the street in Towson, and they said he comes every time just to talk. And he says, I'm an atheist, but I want to know your viewpoint. I want to know about, you know, what you, why do you believe this and what do you believe? And he talks a lot. There's a lot of that. It's fun to think about how God could put it in somebody's heart. And, and that when we listen and we care and we listen more and they get to know and they, well, what is our message? It's incredible what our message is, that Jesus loves you. They haven't even prayed or done anything. They haven't done, they just have asked questions. And then we ask them questions because we have something to say. And we have something with patience to listen and to care. Okay, so verse 50, Psalm 51, it goes somewhere. Verse 4 goes down to um, um, 13. Okay. <clears throat> Against thee, thee only have I sinned. So he's saved. He's right with God. Verse 4. Verse 5, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Wow. In the hidden part, in the inward part, is the spirit, and to know wisdom. That's that intuition, that spiritual understanding. You know wisdom. By the way, when you hear wisdom, you recognize it. You know it. That's what draws us to it. We hear it. When Jesus said it in the Gospels, there were times when his wisdom was there 
And it, it just everybody's silent. They have nothing to say. They go away, some believing and some more angry than ever, but they recognized it. It was there. God is wise. You are wise. You don't have to prove an argument. You don't have to win an argument. You don't have to be on top of everybody. We don't have to be like arrogant or strong or proving something. We are, we are like sheep. We are, we are, um, humble. We are kind. We are listening. We are caring about them because you're, the truth is in the inner part. It's in the inner part. You can't lose because it's in your heart. It makes you secure and patient and kind. Verse 7, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. So we have the actual cleansing process. First you have it, and then there are times when we walk through the world, we get really dirty. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So that's the process of sanctification. That's getting clean. Like you, like our shoes are a good example that we walk through the, the street. Our shoes are dirty. It's a picture of the Christian who is saved, lives in this world. He goes to work. There's some trouble. He's upset about it. He feels unclean. Maybe he said something inappropriate. He has a certain attitude. He feels unclean. And so God cleanses us washes our feet, sanctifies us by the Spirit and by his word. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness. Wow. That the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Wow, isn't that good? Make me to hear joy and gladness. Hmm. Boy, there's... It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Make me to hear joy and glad that I think there's plenty of it, but I can't hear it. But make me to hear it, joy and gladness. Because in the presence of God, there is the fullness of joy. And in our brothers and sisters, there is joy and gladness. And um, it can be heard. It can be heard. And then the bones which you have broken. And that's the a deep pain, deep, like the infrastructure of my life is my bones, and it can be broken. But you you restore me. You you heal me, right? You you make my bones fat, the psalmist said. Verse nine. Hide not your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Real cleansing. Really clean, real cleansing. Real good stuff. Real cleansing. Absolutely no spot. Absolute cleansing. Powerful chemicals. Cleansing, like very powerful. But this is not chemicals. This is the blood of Jesus this is powerful cleansing that happens. Verse 10. By the way, this psalm is written after David repents from being with Bathsheba in adultery. 
So David is writing this out, like, really restore me, God. Not partially, but really restore me. Like, really cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart, verse 10. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hmm. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. We say, based on our New Testament theology, that God, God, when we, He is present with us always. He's, He will never leave us or forsake us. But in practice, in life, it might be that I grieve Him. I grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit. And so then, it seems as if he's gone. It seems like he has taken his spirit away from me. That's what it feels like. I have no authority. I have met Christians who are so emotional constantly. They're kind of always, always in their home upset, always in their home. There's no peace. Always in their, in their, uh, in their, they can't control their tongue. They don't have any authority because they don't have peace inside. So they're always talking about bad things or things that they complain about or things that you should have done and you didn't do it or you're late again or, you know, why did you do that? And, uh, you know, I'm so fed up. I am tired out. I am so frustrated. I am so unhappy. I am so depressed. I am so angry. I am so this and that. It says, there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. Well, no, that's persons of Christian. Yeah, they're a wicked Christian. They're a Christian, but they're wicked. Their wicked heart is running their life. There's no change in their heart. They, they aren't changed. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, like change my heart, that I would love, that I would forgive, that I would be patient, I'd be kind, I'd be spirit-filled. The problem is that that Christian is not spirit-filled. Yeah, but you don't understand their situation. I understand their situation is driving them crazy. I understand their situation is bad. I understand they're, they're driven by it. They cannot control their tongue and their hearts. I understand that. That's why I say, why don't you come as a believer like David and say to God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Hey, that would be a brand new idea. I am wrong. I am wrong. I am wrong. I am proud. I am using my mouth. I am fighting. I am strong. I am fighting. And I'm, I'm right and all of those things. It's like, forget it. You, you, your life will never change. God is caught. How's it go? He chose you. Is that up on the screen? Yeah. No, it isn't. The other one. Or I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, this one. He chose you. To approach him and dwell in his courts and be satisfied. 
What, when my house is falling down? Yes, when your house is falling down. To build, uh, to be satisfied. What, when my marriage is in trouble? Yes, exactly then, when your marriage is in trouble. That's exactly what's needed. And so how does it happen? Psalm 51, let's read it and we can finish here. It says, verse 11, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There is a real, actual thing called the joy of our salvation. Restore me that and uphold me with your free spirit. Now look at what happens. This is the end. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. How does that happen? Because it's in your heart. This is, it. this is the circles thing. How do you talk? Because it's in my heart. I will teach not the saints, but transgressors. I will teach the unbeliever. I will touch the woman at the well. And I, I listen to this story. You want to offend somebody? Jesus just goes for it. He goes for it. He meets her for the first time. He goes, go call your husband. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, go call your husband. Go call your husband. That's like you don't go there, Lord. Don't go there. You're offending like, don't go there. How can you go there? How, call her husband? Yeah, go call your husband. I don't have one. Ready? Here comes the missile. I know. You've had five. Whoa, whoa. There you go. What about that kind of conversation? What about a conversation where you're playing chess with somebody and you actually go for it? How about that one? When you actually say, you actually go there. I don't, I don't think we should pry in people's lives. I think we should be very respectful, but I'm trying to say something. How come Jesus could do that? Jesus had it in his heart. It was appropriate at the time. Jesus was available to his father. The father is basically saying to Jesus, go for it. Go ahead, ask her that question, and then talk to her, because she needs you. She needs you. She needs you to go there. She's never been really loved by a man. She's been used by men, but she's never really figured it out. It never really happened to her. And she needs you. And Jesus goes there. How about that? How can that happen? It's if God has created in me a clean heart, renewed a right spirit in me, if truth is in the inner part, then you have a message. And I'm encouraging you this morning, in your immediate circles, pray about it, think about it, and talk about things with substance. One time, one of my relatives, I was in the kitchen. We were with the fam- little extended family there. 
And, um, and I said something. He goes, he looks at me twice. He goes, what'd you say? And I told him, for us, it's normal conversation. Like, for us, we have a vocabulary. For us, we talk about love. For us, we talk about forgiveness. For us, we talk about faith. For us, we talk about prayer and answer to prayer. I don't remember what it was, but he said, where did you learn that? I said, I learned it in church. You learn, you learn those things in church? I go, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's normal for us. And then I talked to him for a few minutes about it. I'm trying to say today, and I know you, you got the message, that your life is very precious, that God has uh, chosen you to approach him. You are dwelling in his house, and you are satisfied. When you are satisfied, you have a message for people. They will pick up on it. Like, he's not judging me. What kind of Christian is he? I don't know. Maybe we could go to that church sometime and check it out. Like, what's going on? Why, Why are they, who are they, those people? That's how it goes in your life. I'm telling you. I believe it. If you are walking with God, I'm telling you, God uses you, and you are sharing your faith with people, and maybe you don't even realize it, but your neighbors, they need you, and they need some weightier conversation. Uh, Talk about eternity, talk about forgiveness, talk about your kids. Here, here's another one that people need to hear about, and it's failure. Number four, failure. Can you tell them you have failed? Can you tell your neighbor or your friend? Can you tell somebody at work? And what do you do with failure? When you and I fail, how do you take it? And we say, in a healthy way, I have failed. I have failed. But it's okay, because I'm forgiven. You are too. You are too. If, like, I want you to know this. There's a future for you. You have a future. Yeah, God loves you. Amen. Okay, amen. Good. Hey, these jokes didn't go too well, did they? Huh? You saying, Pastor, forget about it. It's not working. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you reached way down to us and brought us all the way to yourself. You went down to the bottom just like that woman in that story. Jesus went all the way to the bottom of her life and brought her all the way to God the Father. And she was satisfied. She was so satisfied she went to the town and told everybody everything about it. Lord, we're living in times where there isn't a message. We're living in times where the people people are are really tired and needy, and we ask you to help us reach people and bring them here, bring them to you, bring them to 
understanding, bring them to deeper faith. Bring them to you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you don't have Christ in your life, just say to him, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Today, I pray. I believe you. I believe you. Amen.